So good afternoon, good evening, good morning, to whatever time, however you listen to this. I am your host, Tavares Wilson. And as you all know, I always get the last word. Yes, sir. We're tuning in today. We've got some news, some updates for you all, NBA-related, some football takes that I got. So let's get straight into it. So let me start off by saying this. First and foremost, the NBA playoffs, as we all know, are coming towards an end, towards the finals. Excuse me. The Warriors lead their series 3-1, respectively. Believe it's over with tonight. I think the Warriors are going to finish it off tonight. The Dallas Mavericks snuck in the game, despite the fact that Luka Doncic did not shoot the ball particularly well in their last outing. I believe he went 7-for-21, I believe, from the field. I could be wrong, but I, I know for a fact he had a bad shooting night. Hello, Dougie. And being the fact that he had a bad shooting night, to me that just shows me that the rest of the team – played with their hearts on their shoulders and simply played freely, freely because they have nothing to lose. They understand this series is over, and at the end of the day, this is a team that is still young. They can't grow. They can't go get another veteran guy to help compliment Luka. But it's like what I've been saying, and I've said this for multiple years. I've said this about Trey Young. I said this about Bradley Bill. I've said this about Donovan Mitchell. I've said this about now Luka Doncic. I've said this about every single player I've seen this issue from. If a player cannot learn to play without the ball, that player would never, ever, 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 ever win a championship. In today's league, you have to know how to play without the ball as a star player, especially a superstar player. Why? Because you're going to be a focal point to the point when you have the ball, you, you're you going to get your 20-25 shots a game. That's because you have to take that. You're the best they have. But other guys also have to get going in order for you to have a chance to win. That was the biggest thing LeBron learned in Miami when he left from Cleveland. That other guys have to get it going so you can have the best chance to win and to compete each and every night. That's what, excuse me, that's what Kobe had to learn. And that was something Kobe struggled throughout his career with. But at the end of the day, he learned that other guys have to dominate as well in order for us to get to where we want to get to as a team and a unit. At the end of the day, Luka Doncic has to learn how to play without the ball. He has to learn that other guys have to get themselves involved as well. And... That's the biggest reason why they won the other night, despite the fact that Luka did not shoot the ball particularly well that game. Other guys got themselves going. Others guys, simply put, they had good nights because they were able to create those shots and actually get in some sort of rhythm early. They didn't have to just play off Luka giving them set shots or like, you know, hitting them in the, in the corner for a corner three or whatever the case may be. Those guys got in their own rhythm early. And if the Mavs want to take that step forward, if they want to be able to continuously grow and build that continuity with one another, they have to teach and coach Luka to that point where he can play without the ball some possessions so others guys, other guys, excuse me, can get into a rhythm. And if he cannot do that, he will never ascend to that level of, a champion. He's a superstar player. He's a superstar talent. 
He's made literally three all-first-team NBA teams in a matter of four years. The guy is phenomenal. I'm not denying that. But in, for him to take that next step and be the champion that a lot of people think he can be, he has to learn to play without the ball. He just has to. Now, in the other series, on the other, on the other side of the ball, let's start with the Warriors real quick. I think the Warriors are clear-cut as they the favorites to win it all now. Klay Thompson back healthy as he's been the past two years. They're going to get Gary Payton Jr. back. Jordan Poole, to me, has been a breath of fresh air for them. And on top of all that, Andrew Wiggins is playing like a superstar right now. I'm not going to say superstar, maybe that is a stretch, but he's playing like an all-star, and I see why he got the nudge. Because at the end of the day, this guy, he's defending your best perimeter player. He's giving you the 18, 20, 15 a night. He's giving you the defense. He's giving you the effort. He's giving you the rebounding. He's giving you the little things that matter to winning. He's in the big moments, in the big spots when they need to stop a shot, block, steal, anything from him, he's giving you it more often than not. And he compliments this Warriors team so well. And I never thought Andrew Wiggins was a bad player. I just always thought him being a first overall pick was a curse for him. Because this was a guy that I didn't feel as if was going to be a superstar. When he came out of Kansas, I thought he was a very good athletic player who just oozed talent. But he never had that mentality to be the guy. And you've seen that early out of him with Minnesota. Despite the fact that the guy was giving you 20, 22 points a night. Despite the fact that he was still putting up better career point per game numbers and points in total than guys like Kawhi Leonard within his first three, four years. Despite all of that, people doubted it because he simply didn't play with that edge to him what I want. And that is something I think he is starting to develop. And with that being the case, you add that in with this Warriors team that already has such great chemistry with one another. Now they also add in him with Draymond Green still being a really good playmaker, this team should easily be the favorites to win it all right now. And to top that all off, you got on the other conference and the other series, you got two really nitty-gritty teams in the Boston Celtics and in the Miami Heat. Now, let me say this about the Heat. As a Miami fan supporter of all Miami sports, all Florida sports, I try to be at least. Let me say this. The Miami Heat, and if they want to take that next step, they got to look themselves in the mirror and realize they made mistakes. They re-signed guys who did not deserve contracts or signed guys that didn't deserve contracts. The number one guy on that list is Kyle Lowry. They have to be honest with themselves and realize that this guy is not who we thought we was paying for. We have to do one or two things. We got to buy him out. Or he has to be cut. It's, it's that simple. Because he's not about to be moved. You're not about to trade him for anyone unless you're going to trade him to someone that, simply put, is desperate and extremely in need of a veteran presence point guard who is still past their prime years. Because Kyle Laurie is not going to be what he was, um, how long ago was that, three, three four years ago? When the Toronto Raptors won a championship, he's not about to be that again. That's not him. He's not about to be that. 
those days are behind him. Maybe if you would have got him three, four years ago, maybe this would worked out. But you didn't. You got him now, and he's injured. He's not playing well on the floor. He's never been a really good playoff performer, but he's never been this bad. He at least gave you defensive effort. I don't even see that out of him anymore. So in my personal opinion, they have to get rid of Kyle Lowry first and foremost. And then after that, to me, I understand he's young. I understand he's a shooter. But you got to move on from Duncan Robinson. This guy is completely, he's completely out of the rotation now. He gives you nothing outside of shooting, which he has not done that well of late. Last night, I believe he made four for 12 of his shots. I think he went, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think he went three for 10 behind the three-point line. And this is simply put, this is a guy who has not lived up to the $95 million you gave him. He hasn't. I mean, he went from being a starter to completely out of the rotation. I don't think people are understanding and realizing how bad you have to look in order to go from a starter to completely out of the rotation. That means you you went from playing at least 25 to 30 minutes a game to playing nothing. That means you literally gave the team nothing to the point where the coach felt the need, the best thing for you to do is nothing. I'm sorry, but as and I think and I think it's become more of a mental thing for him as well. He doesn't shoot the ball with as much confidence as he once did when I first seen him. He shoots now as if he's just shooting it because he's hoping something falls, not because he's confident in the shot falling. And it's a difference in those kind of mindsets because more often than not, when you're confident in your jump shot, you're going to actually make more than you miss. Versus you just shooting it because you're open. He is a guy that needs to get back to that, but I don't think his mindset and his mental is all any good left in Miami. I think it's time for him to move on. And if I'm being honest, I think Bam Adebayo needs to change into a, a, a power forward. I don't think he's a true center. This series against Brandon Williams is... So, um, I probably, but Robert Williams, I, I was thinking of Brandon Clark too. But Robert Williams, this series against Robert Williams is showing that he does not have the intensity and aggressive nature to compete with the more aggressive centers in the league. And when you're supposed to be a top five center, like how a lot of people have argued for him to be, you have to be able to compete with these guys. And he's not able to compete with these guys. I think... Him going to power forward would be the best thing for him. I think by, I think naturally he's a power forward. His skill set is a power forward skill set. He's he's a, he's a guy who can play with bigs as well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he can't. But at the end of the day, his natural position, I feel as if needs to be a power forward. That's what he is. And it's all about our love. The Heat just need another score. They need another score. And then... On the other side of the ball with the Boston Celtics, I feel as if the Celtics pretty much have all they need. I just think it's about consistency now. I think because they're still a young team, they take bad shots at times. They make bad calls, bad plays at times. But one thing about the Celtics that a lot of people can see and cannot take from them, they're going to give maximum effort every night. Even if they lose bad, 
they're not going to look bad, if that makes sense. They looked bad at the beginning of the year because they were still trying to figure it out with their team and who was their guy between Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Once they figured that out, though, even when they lost, they still look good. This is a team that is going to compete. They're going to play hard. They're going to give it their all. They're going to go all out. It's just up to whether or not the shots are going to fall for them and whether or not they're taking good shots. Because, like I said, they take bad shots sometimes. But right now, as it stands, again, the Warriors clear as day to me. They're going to be the winners of the NBA Finals. There's no doubt in my mind about that at this point. But you never know. Now, let's get off into some quick NFL news before we get into the Q&A. And for the NFL news, I got a little scenarios of questions I want to go over. So first off, I seen a post the other day on Twitter basically asking, who would you take for the next 10 years as your quarterback? And the two guys it was, was Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. And I seen a comment, and if you guys follow me on TikTok, you will know I have commented on this. It's so that a guy has stated, it's not as clear-cut as many people believe it to be because at the end of the day, Joe Burrow, coming off a devastating knee injury, took his team to the Super Bowl within his first two years of play. And this is a guy who plays with an edge to him and things of that nature. First and foremost, I'm not denying Joe Burrow any of that. He's a great young player, really good, really talented. Not denying that. But... He's not better than Patrick Mahomes, and I'm taking Patrick Mahomes the next 10 years to be my quarterback. Why? Patrick Mahomes is a guy that, within his first five years, this guy's been to four AFC championships. He's been to two Super Bowls. He's won a Super Bowl. This is a guy who is literally a winner. I know people are going to sit here and say he has a good team, good supporting cast, great coach. All of that does not guarantee quarterback success. A prime example of this is Jimmy Garoppolo with the 49ers. Despite the fact Jimmy Garoppolo had everything around him, the best he could muster out of it was a blown Super Bowl. I'm sorry. Even if you want to still just look at the Chiefs, Alex Smith never peaked like that, or that team peaked like that, under Alex Smith, ever. Mahomes was the difference on that team. Travis Kelsey was there already. Tyreek Hill was there already. Andy Reid was there already. These aren't just guys who came in with Mahomes. These guys were literally already on the team. He literally was the difference to those guys being really good to great. That is who he is. He's a difference maker for those guys. I'm not saying Joe Burrow isn't a difference maker, but I don't think he's a difference maker to the extent that Patrick Mahomes is. Excuse me. And with that being the case, I want the better quarterback, so I'm going to take the better quarterback. So give me Patrick Mahomes. And then, I seen some posts about the Dolphins again, speaking on whether or not this is a playoff team. We are a playoff team. And let me just say this, man. Whether the Dolphins made the playoffs or not, that is a concern, but that's not their biggest concern. Of course, you want your team to make the playoffs because you want them to be competitive. 
and have a chance to win it all. Because in order to have a chance to win it all, you got to be in the dance first. If you want to have a chance at the dance, you got to pay for the ticket first. And your ticket is a playoff spot. So what does that mean? You got to be in the playoffs. But that's not their biggest thing right now. At least that should not be. Your biggest thing needs to be is to our guy. Because once you figure that out, you're a step closer to knowing how or what you got to do, how to go about it, and where you will be. Because once you figure that out, whether he is or not, you know you either got to move on or you got your guy. That's simple. So at the end of the day, that is the most important thing for them right now. Do I believe Tua would be good? Absolutely. Like I said before, I think Tua will have his best year coming up. I don't think it'll be close. I think he'll have a borderline Pro Bowl caliber year. He simply has to just put it together. That's all it comes down to. He has all the time around him. They went and got a good offensive line unit around him. Carter Williams and Toronto Armstead is as good as it gets is as a left side of the unit. I understand Robert Hunt is still there. He's still progressing. He got better. Excuse me. Robert Hunt is still there. He's gotten better. I understand Michael Dieter isn't the ideal center, but he isn't the worst center in the league. And the right tackle position is the only position I've got a little concerned about because I don't believe in Austin Jackson transitioning from left tackle to right tackle. I don't even believe in the rookie, that Leon Eichenberg. I don't believe in none of those guys. But everything can't be perfect. At some point, you got to show why he was a fifth overall pick. That's what it comes down to. And in my personal opinion, I just believe if Tua wants to show he's that guy and he is everything that the Dolphins thought they were going to draft, he has to make up for some of these shortcomings, I would say, for the Dolphins. Because at the end of the day, again, everything isn't going to be perfect around you. Everyone isn't going to just simply put give you the ideal situation every single play. You got to make plays at the end of the day in this league, guys. You got to make plays at the end of the day. And to top all that off, I just believe he has the ability to do so. It's just about showcasing it now. I think that's all it comes down to. In fact, if you all are kept up with OTAs and Tyree Kill comments on Tool, basically what he was stating that Tool has one of the prettiest balls he's ever caught, you know, in terms of his spiral and accuracy, his ball placement, ball placement, excuse me, is elite, and also said that he has great arm strength and arm talent. Now, I do not agree with the last part. I don't think Tua ever had great arm strength and arm talent. I think it was always good enough. But his ball placement, his spiral, his accuracy was always his greatest traits as a quarterback along with his IQ and play recognition. That was always his greatest trait. So I'm not shocked at that answer at all. But when you have teammates speaking on you like that, to that extent and to that point, when they do not have to, at the end of the day, it says he's doing something right. Now, everyone doesn't have to agree, but to me, that's what I get from it. He's doing something right. Whether it's he's becoming likable, whether it's because he's actually throwing really great passes. He's doing something right. And it's a step in the right direction. Just hopefully it can trans transition and actually, you know, 
make its way to the field on Sundays. All right, so now let's get into the fan Q&A. It's going to be a little bit of a quicker episode, guys, but let's get straight to the fan Q&A. So this first question comes from Gino Peterson. He said, is Patrick Mahomes good enough without Tyreek Hill to throw 45-plus touchdowns? This is a good question. And in my opinion, I think he's more than good enough to do so. I just don't know if he will do so. Because I think with Tyreek Hill being gone, I think they're going to focus in more on trying to establish the run game. Because in order for them to get Travis Kelsey opened up and get him more opportunities, they got to establish some other kind of presence. And all due respect to Juju Smith-Suster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, they're not Tyreek Hill. No one is going to put guys over the top for you because of him, because of those two. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a burner, but he's, again, he's not Tyreek Hill. This is a guy that consistently gets taken out by man coverage, just single coverage. So, I think they're going to establish more of a rushing attack now. Or at least try to establish it more. But is he capable? Is he good enough? Absolutely. I think he's absolutely good enough. This next question comes from Will Mike Jones. Who you want to see get their first ring? Who does slash who deserves it more? Or most, I should say. Jason Tatum, Victor Oladipo, Jimmy Butler, Luka Doncic. Now, if I'm going off the names you pick, bro, I'm going to go with I'm going with Jimmy Butler because he's the oldest of these guys. And he also is someone to me who has worked to a point that these other guys I have not seen that work at the true jump from them yet. I think for the most part, all these guys still are who they are when they first came into the league. But Jimmy Butler literally came into this league. He wasn't a, a, a high pick like the rest of these guys. He was literally just a defender. He built himself into an offensive player and a number one scoring option. To me, you want to root for that guy and want to see him succeed. So there's no reason why I wouldn't want Jimmy Butler to get a ring first, especially being the fact that his window is closing way sooner than these other guys that are listed. If it's Odipo, him as well. But I just think Jimmy Butler outperforms him, outworks him. So I'm giving that edge to Jimmy Butler. This next question comes from Fernando Torres. Who wins NFL Rookie of the Year? Now, this is a really good question. And... Man, if I'm being honest and I'm thinking about it, I'm going to go with Bryce Hall. Brees Hall. However you say his name. Oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot how to say his name. But Brees Hall, Bryce Hall, I believe he may win rookie of the year. And and it kills me to say that because I am, I am a Dolphins fan and he got drafted by the Jets. But I just think that dude has something about him that is special. I mean, and it's not just... It's not just the athletic ability. It's not just his play style. It's his view of the field. He just plays with elite vision. And that is something you cannot coach. He He's a guy that could turn a slither of hope into a home run. 
He's a guy that fights with extra yards. He's he's a better pass catcher than I believe he's given credit for, even though a lot of people believe he's good at it. I think he's phenomenal at it. And all around, he's just pound for pound going to come in and be the number one back. And then you pair that with Elijah Moore and Corey Davis there already. And they drafted Gary Wilson. Yeah, this this is a team that's starting to actually look like something with the Jets. So I'm giving him the edge for rookie of the year. I know he's already favorite to win it, but in my personal opinion, I think he should be the favorite to win, and I think he should win it. And if, if not him, though, I will say Garrett wasn't his teammate. I'm just giving the Jets all kind of love, but I say those two my favorites. But my next question comes from J.J. Sanchez. Do you think Snyder will finally be forced to sell the team? So he's talking about the 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 commanders, I believe. That's the Washington football team they know. Daniel Snyder, I believe he's talking about their owner. And with everything that's going on right now with the Washington commanders and that whole entire case that transpired a couple years back with that former coach, uh, man, I mean, I just think I think he is going to be forced to sell the team because it's it's just it's just too much bad publicity for the NFL. I mean, from the sexual assault cases, from the accusations, from the drugs involved, the toxication, it's just a really bad look for NFL. And for a league that cracked down on domestic violence and made it a point of emphasis that. They're not going to just sit around and let these kind of rumors ruin their league and image. I think it's only a matter of time. And what makes it worse for him is the fact that this is something that has not gone away yet. If this would have died down a year or a couple months after the case came out, then fine. But this has done nothing but just simmer down a bit and then rose right back up. So this is something that I think will end up forcing his hand to actually sell the team. And then the whole everything that happened with that's a whole that whole situation is crazy. Everything that happened with the cheerleaders as well. Uh, like I said, man, that whole situation is just honestly crazy. And then the next question comes from Charlie Ratliff. Do you give any credits to the idea credence, excuse me, to the idea that Yak Yards should not go towards the QB's total passing. No, I don't. I I think that's unfair to the quarterback because at the end of the day, they still have to make the read. They still have to make the throw. Without the throw, you can't have the catch. You can't have the yards game. So no, I don't. I don't get at any merit. I think that's really unfair to the quarterback. This next question comes from Quentin McKnight. What NFL team is primed to surprise people this year? Now. If I ha- I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick one team for each conference. First team I'm going to say from the AFC, I will say the Jets. Again, I'm giving the Jets a lot of love here, but I'm I just gotta be honest. I'm I'm gonna go with the Jets, and I'm gonna go with the Jets because I think they have put together really good young talents. They're going to see if Robert Sala is really made into something, or can he be something? And Zach Wilson is talented enough to 
have a good chance to transcend and ascend to another level of play. Now, I'm not saying any of that is guaranteed because I don't know if Robert Sala is a good coach. I don't know if Zach Wilson will be a good quarterback. I don't believe in Zach Wilson, if I'm being honest with you guys, but I could be wrong about him. What I'm saying is they drafted a lot of talent. They got a lot of talent on the roster already. It's just about putting it together. I mean, you went and got Sauce Gardner, in my personal opinion, the best corner in the draft. You went and got Garrett Wilson, in my opinion, again, the best receiver in the draft. Then you went and got Bryce Hall, Brees Hall, again, the best running back in this draft. So that's three key positions. You got the best guy in the draft, that, in my opinion. This team, don't be surprised, man. They shock people. Then the team out of the NFC, a team that I think could honestly be a shocker for a lot of people are the Detroit Lions. Now, I know a lot of people are not going to like that answer because it's so easy to rag on Detroit. But I do believe Detroit will be extremely competitive. I think they have a good young secondary core. Not secondary core. They they do actually do have a good young secondary. But I think they have a really good young receiver core. I think DeAndre Swift is, as long as he can stay on the field, I think he will become one of the more complete running backs in this league. Their offensive line is really good. It's just going to be about how good can the defense still be and what Jared Goff is going to give you each and every week. Now, I do still personally believe that they're going to be highly competitive because at the end of the day, that's just how this team orchestrates. That's how it's structured. They're going to be competitive. They're not going to give up in any game they're in, even if they get them blown out. That's just what this team is. So I do have them as a sleeper. Next question comes from Mark Kiris. Who will get a ring first, John Morant or Russell Westbrook? If I had to pick, I would say it is Westbrook because I think he's going to end up playing for either a rebuilding team or a team that's in win-now mode and trying to get whatever they can left out of him. That's how I look at it. But if it does not happen next year for Westbrook, it's done. It's done. Just being honest. Next question comes from William McLong. Biggest setback for the Dolphins heading into this season? Uh, if I had to pick one setback, I think I spoke on it briefly already, but I think it's the right tackle position. I think that is something that may very well come back and bite this team in the butt because I just do not believe in Liam Eichenberg or Austin Jackson. Man. I really just do not believe in either of those dudes. And with the fact that Tua is a left-handed quarterback and the right side is his blind side, it's, it's going to be ugly, man. But at the end of the day, I think the team is still set for success. But if I had to pick one position or one group, it's definitely that group. Next question also comes from William McLong. Is Josh Allen the best quarterback in the league? Hell no. <laughs> no. He's not even top three in my opinion. In my personal opinion, my personal opinion, again, in my personal opinion, you got to say these things most of the time these days. I think the top three quarterbacks in the league is Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. I know Deshaun Watson has not played football in an entire year. I 
get that. But I'm not going to let one year dictate who I believe is better between the two. I think Deshaun Watson is still a better quarterback. Now, Josh Allen, if he has a better year than Deshaun Watson this season, then you could very well make the argument that Josh Allen is better. But in terms of what I've seen for both quarterbacks on a consistent basis, I'm taking Deshaun Watson over Josh Allen. I just am. His next question comes from William McClung again. Has Patrick Mahomes gone from God back down to human? Meaning, is he going to still be at this high level or will he just look like a worse version of himself? No, I still think Mahomes is still a really good quarterback and a really damn good difference maker. In fact, I think he's still maybe the most elite playmaker in this league in terms of just what he can do with the football in terms of throwing the ball, not just with his feet as well, not, in, not adding in that factor. But no, I still think he's a magician with the ball. I mean, i seen this guy literally play his heart out in a game where his team let him down and tied of the game on the offensive line in the Super Bowl. And he just looked phenomenal, even despite the fact that the box score wouldn't tell you that. So, now, nah, I still think he's going to be special. This next question comes from Will Mike Jones. Would you like for the Dolphins to trade for Baker Mayfield if Tua struggles early? If I'm being honest with you, no, I would not. Because despite the fact that I think Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback, I think we see what Baker Mayfield's ceiling is. I would much rather take a chance on a younger guy with a higher ceiling than Baker than to trade for someone just to get a bit more better play out of him. I don't think Baker is significantly better than Tua to the point where he's going to be the difference in winning a playoff game or two versus not making the playoffs. I think he's going to be the difference in making it and being one to done. That's what I think it is. So, no, I wouldn't do that. But if you could get him on a steal and two is struggling, I don't see why you would not do it. But we'll see. I, Me personally, I wouldn't do it. The next question comes from Nan Martinez. He says, with all the Rams' recent moves, are they still the favorites this year or will they experience a rude awakening? I still think the Rams are the favorites because they, despite the fact that they did lose a lot of people, I mean, Whitworth is gone. They lost Von Miller. They lost Darius Williams to the Jaguars. I, I, I get they lost a lot of key players, but this is a team that still is very much talented. They went and got Ali Robinson. They went and got Bobby Wagner. This is a team that still is prime in prime position to still be successful. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if this team still is the favorites going into the league year. But uh, it's it's not it's not as likely as it was last year to me for them to win it all. Because last year I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. I don't know if I'm picking them this year though. This next question comes from Quentin McKnight. With the Suns getting eliminated out of the playoffs the way they did, do you think egos, coaching, or management-wise destroyed playoff teams? Yes, absolutely. Especially egos. And the reason why I say especially egos is because your ego can get in the way of doing what is right or what is best. And when it comes to being prideful or egotistical, 
whatever word choice you want to use, that is when things get personal when it's only a game and it's business. And that's when it gets to a point where people don't want to play with you and people don't want to be around you. And when it gets to that point, as we all know, it's just a domino effect. People don't like you. People don't play with you. And people just don't want to simply be on the court with you. Just, I mean, I know it's been rumored for some time now. Just look at Donovan Mitchell really go bear it. You look at the numbers, it tells you Donovan Mitchell does not pass the ball to Rudy Gobert. And that is an issue. That is a problem. Because regardless of how people want to feel about Rudy Gobert, I don't care how you feel about Rudy Gobert. He's the second best player on that team easily. And he's arguably their most important player on that team. I don't care how you feel about that statement. It is a fact. The numbers prove it. Their record without him prove it. Their numbers without him prove it. This team is below 500 without Rudy Gobert. Well under it at that. They're a top five team defense without him. With with I mean with him, without him, they're a bottom bottom five defense. It's a fact. With him on the floor, their plus minus is significantly better. Their point differential is significantly better. Again, these are facts. But when you have your two best players that don't get along and don't like each other, this is the result you get. Disappointment season after disappointment season. You win all these games to do what? To be one and done. At the end of the day, this is a team, in my opinion, that needs to move on from these guys at this point. And... The reason why it got to that point is because of egos and pride. So, yes, pride, egos, personality, coaching, management, all, all that stuff can factor in whether or not a team can have success in the playoffs and whether or not a team can be destroyed by it or not. And it very well can be. And in the Suns' case, they just got too big-headed. I mean, just look, just look how ecstatic guys like Anthony Edwards and Patrick Beverly were to see them lose. Just look at how it like what's the word I'm looking for to describe it? Just just see their like overly expressive expressions or acts towards them losing. They were thrilled almost to see them lose or to see them be exposed the way they were. That that's how that's what it comes with. But that'll be it for today's episode, guys. Thank you all for tuning in to the show once again. Y'all be sure to like, subscribe on YouTube. Remember, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Google. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on everything or every platform you can find podcasts at. Nine out of ten times, just look up the same name, Last Word Productions. Thank you, guys, and I'll see y'all in the next one.